Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. You know, the Old Testament is a picture of about 4,000 years. The Old Testament from the book of Genesis to Malachi and on into uh, the New Testament period, about 4,000 years of God bringing Messiah to a lost and a hurting world. And if you started uh, in, 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 in Genesis with the creation of Adam, for example, and went all the way to Jesus, as I said, generation after generation after generation, about 4,000 years. But the New Testament, something happened in the New Testament. Jesus was born in an Old Testament period. He gave his life as a sacrifice for all sin for everyone as the Lamb of God. And he was crucified, died, buried, and resurrected. And when he was resurrected and then 40 days later sent, you know, ascended, and then a week later sent the Holy Spirit back on the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed in the earth. And if you took the time from between the time that Jesus began to call his disciples about the year A.D. 27, if you went from A.D. 27 to about the time that the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter are martyred, that is pretty much the time that most, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's A.D. 67 by my calculations. That's 40 years is what encapsulates our New Testament. I know the book of John was written a little later, the book of Revelation, but John lived during this period of time. In all practical purposes, the book of Acts and, and the calling of the disciples last about 40 years. That's all. Not even quite 40 years. So the New Testament, different than the Old Testament. The Old Testament, 4,000 years of God bringing Messiah to a lost and a hurting world. The New Testament covers a period of about 40 years, just a snapshot of one generation, a snapshot of one lifetime, you know, uh, just a snapshot of what? 120 people who were in an upper room in a home group meeting on the day of Pentecost. 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and they began to fulfill the Great Commission. They began to go out into the highways and the byways. They went to the streets. They went to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. They carried the gospel of Jesus Christ from where they were in Jerusalem to Rome, to Corinth, to Thyatira, to Pergamos, to Laodicea. They carried to Philippi, to Ephesus. They carried the word of God all over Greece. And they carried, basically, they took the gospel of Jesus Christ. They just went from place to place, preaching the gospel, telling people that Jesus loved them and had a plan for their life, telling them that Messiah had come, that God had sent a Savior, telling people that they were forgiven. And if they would call upon the name of the Lord, they would be saved. They went from place to place to place telling everybody about Jesus so that the gospel of Jesus Christ spread across the whole world in only 40 years and not one of those people even owned a bicycle. This is amazing. 
This is what compels me. The fact that God has given us such opportunity that my whisper can be heard around the world. All over the world today, we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ just by turning on a camera and getting on the internet. We are blessed. If the, if the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and John and Matthew and Andrew and Nathaniel, if they would have had the ability that we have, they no doubt would have been out of here in about 10 minutes. They would have gotten the whole, the whole world evangelized. But those boys had to walk everywhere they went. They had to get on a ship or walk or, you know, commandeer some donkey somewhere just to get to the next city. And then when they got there, many times they would be persecuted, they would be struggled against, they would be beaten, they would be stoned, uh, and they ended up giving their lives for the cause of telling somebody about Jesus. Now, we have it so easy. I'm very, very proud of our church because we have taken the book of Acts as our responsibility realizing that if those boys could do that in 40 years certainly we could take the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community and to our state to our nation and to the whole world in our 40 years well I'm 34 years into this right now so maybe maybe in the next six years we can solve the whole world we can all get out of here huh uh, I'm, I'm excited I just want you to catch a picture of our responsibility and what we've done with it so far and what not just us but so many churches here in southeast texas we are blessed to have more than 300 wonderful churches that i believe are on fire for jesus and preaching the gospel and loving our community and reaching out into all the world we here at church on the rock have a very specific calling on our church and that is to reach the world we are reaching our world and the world it's a calling it's a gift it's a grace and i'm so proud to be a part of all that god is doing here but I'm also being uh, very proud to be a part of all that God is doing in every church in our community our community is blessed every time you see somebody and they, and, and and you know you ask them hey where do you go to church you know wherever they tell you encourage them get in there hang in there you know support the vision of that church you know uh, you know uh, work hard because I'm telling you Jesus has a plan to save souls and it's working we're in the middle of a revival. God is doing things here in our community and around the world like I've never seen before. And I've been in this for a good while. And God is really uh, in the midst of, of stirring up His Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church, in our community. And we are going to see even greater things in these next few years. Now, I'm telling you, be encouraged. Things are going great going wonderful you might say well I don't know I look at the news let me tell you whenever I tell you things are going great I'm not talking about America I love America I die for America but I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the salvation of souls and a revival that's happening worldwide I'm talking about what God is doing and I believe with all of my heart that if we the church will get on board with what God is doing God not only will save our nation and make it great again and restore our nation I believe that with all of my heart God's depending on us we are his plan let me tell you about plan b there's not one god doesn't have one it's plan a 
We are his only plan, his only hope. I believe in America. I love America, and I, I will defend America. But I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you that everything is happening wonderful. Just to have you go home and read the news and say it ain't so. I'm telling you that God is moving all over the world in the hearts of men and women, in the lives of our leaders. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see some of the most desperate leaders in all of the world give their lives to Jesus Christ right now. It, 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 it would not surprise me. God is working with them. He's always worked with world leaders, and he's always had someone standing by them to share the gospel and the will of God with them. I believe it's happening today. I believe with all of my heart, God is working on our world leaders. But what our world leaders need to see is us. Our world leaders need to see us living what we're preaching and, and, and doing what we believe and reaching out to a world that's lost and hurting. And let's, uh, let's, let's just be what God needs us to be because I believe things are great and they're getting better. Amen? Amen. Okay, well, having said all of that, let's turn to the Word now. And uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 14. I am full of, uh, of exhortation today. I never even got to my message in the first service. Uh, but uh, I did get to a message. Open up your Bibles. We'll be going to Luke chapter 14 this morning. And uh, we're going to learn a lesson from Jesus this morning. And our lesson from Jesus is going to deal with a character, our character. It's important that we check our character every now and then. I told the first service this morning that, that if, um, if, if you pulled your car into a mechanic shop, and it was running on three cylinders, and it was, you know, backfiring, and it was just barely getting up and down the road, and it wouldn't hardly start in the morning, and something was really, you know, something was bothering you about it. And you pulled into a garage, and the mechanic, you know, opened up your hood, looked at it, shut it, you know, walked around your car, and came back and told you, man, everything is great. It's wonderful. Man, just drive on. Have yourself a good time, you know. You'd probably think they's crazy, right? And yet people pull into churches every week. Come on now, listen to me just a moment. They pull into church running on three cylinders. They slap the kids on the way here, okay? Last night, no telling what they were doing. They're upset, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're bitter, they're concerned, they feel as though they didn't, you know, and they pull in, and what they want me to do is open the hood and tell them everything's okay. Go on, drive on. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to a church like that. I wouldn't want to go to a mechanic like that. You know? Now, not everybody goes to church because they need something, but when you do need something, you want to go to a church that can actually say, hey, this is it, you need to fix it. Right? And that's what we do here. With a smile on our face and joy in our heart, because I'm going to love you whatever you do, but it's my job to just be honest with you, and God is always trying to give us one more thing we can do. Just one. There's always something you can do to please God. You can always do a little better, because this world is so full of sin, sickness, poverty, worry, anger, defeat, disappointment, tragedy, trauma, you know, loss, I mean, every day you walk through the world, you're seeing all kinds of things that just weigh on you. The Bible talks about it in the book of Jude, that it even stains our garments as we walk through this world of sin. It's like walking through something that kind of just leaves you a little stained, and you need, to, you need to cleanse your garments occasionally. You really do need to come in and just, you know, I mean, my goodness, I, I, I try to take a bath at least once a week just to... Just, uh, you know, even if I can't see any dirt on my body. 
You know, it's good. It's good to come into the house of God. It is good to hear the word of God. It's good to have someone that is appointed and anointed by God to preach a truth the truth of the Word of God so that it can wash you like the water of God. It can wash over you and help to cleanse your sin and give you a chance to identify something that might be wrong under the hood so that you can get it fixed. We shouldn't just expect to go into church or even into the Word of God or even into a worship song without having something, some light shine on something that we need to tweak in our lives. Because if we get closer to Him, we see ourselves in His light. Now, God loves us and God cares for us. But one of the problems that we can run into is if we think God loves us more than, than, uh, than you know, I'm, well, let me, let me rephrase that. One of the problems we can run into is if we think God's love for us means that He doesn't care what we do then that's wrong. We can't feel as though that we're so privileged to be so close to God and to serve God and to love God and to bring our tithes and bring our offerings and to pray and to do everything. And that exempts us from living right. That exempts us from having to take responsibility for our lives, for our spiritual lives. We're not exempted. You know, the, the closer we get to God, the more like Him we should desire to be. And that generally in my life means that I need to tweak my life a little bit. There are some things that I am constantly all, you know, re reminded of, this, that, or the other thing, that, okay, I can do better here, I can do better there. It's important that we not leave here today and have road rage on the way to dinner. Okay? And those are our responsibilities, no matter how close we are to God, no matter how much He loves us, no matter how, how privileged we are, we still need to take responsibility for our lives. And so those are some of the things that we share here on a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night so that we can make sure that we are growing in Christ, that we're a better reflection when leaving the church than we were when we got here. It is important that we do feel better when we leave here, but hopefully we feel better because it's like going to a doctor. You go there and, 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 and you find out what you needed and you get something to fix it and you move on. You find out what you need today, you get something to fix it and move on. So the lessons that we learn from Christ when we are here, these important lessons are meant to be applied to our lives. And that's something we're going to do today. We're going to look at our character Two specific things that deal with our character. One today we're going to look at is humility. Humility uh, comes when a person realizes they are completely dependent on God. Humility. Humility means I depend on God. It doesn't mean that I'm weak. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, uh, uh, somehow I don't have any resolve. It literally means that I recognize that I am dependent on Him. I depend on Him without respect to who I am. I could be a millionaire. I could be a billionaire. Or I could, uh, or I, I could, I could have, you know, uh, no job at all and end up still exactly the same, dependent upon God. That's what Solomon saw whenever he lived his life. He said, I've, I've done everything a man can do. I've tried everything a man can do. And I realize it's all vanity because here I am standing in the same place that a poor man stands because we all face our maker. Every person faces God one day. And humility is realizing that we are dependent on God. We're not dependent on our bank account. We can't depend on our, on, on, on our health. We can't depend on our, uh, on our government. You know, the government cannot help what is needed. Okay? 
You have to depend on God. And humility means that even in your own business, in your own life, in your own decisions, that you recognize that you need God. Okay? You're not sufficient in yourself. Your best is just not in you. You need God. A second thing we're going to look at today is charity. Charity is kindness we show to others who are less fortunate. Uh, you know, more than one time, God took note of someone because they were being charitable to others. You re may remember Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Uh, uh, Cornelius was recognized by God because Cornelius was being charitable to poor people in his area. He cared about the poor. That so impressed God that God sent an angel to Cornelius so that Cornelius could be recognized because God pays attention to people who are humble and charitable. Uh, uh, as I said, we'll be in Luke 14 here in just a moment. And let me catch you up with where Jesus is when we, we, when we find him in Luke 14. Um, Jesus is, is in a city, and we're not sure exactly what city it is. It doesn't tell us what city it is, but it's somewhere between the Galilee and Jerusalem. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's in the last, you know, uh, two weeks, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the last uh, three weeks of his earthly life in ministry. He is, he's on his way. He's soon going to be at a crucifixion point. And so many things that he's talking about are very, very important. The city that Jesus is in has a synagogue. And, uh, and Jesus and his disciples decide they're going to go to that synagogue. The Bible says that every Sabbath, Jesus was found in the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church wherever he was, whatever city he was in. And so this was on a Sabbath. The Sabbath begins Friday night at sundown. So we happen to know that this was on a Friday night. It was after sundown and Jesus and his disciples went to church as was the custom. That's when church time was. That's when they went there. In, in this city. And uh, 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 as the custom was, teachers who would visit a church, they got an opportunity to share something. And so Jesus was asked to share something and, 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 and teach. And while Jesus was teaching, Jesus looked out there and he saw this woman who had an infirmity. She had been bent over and she had been this way for 18 years. And Jesus stops preaching and he says to the woman, come here to me. And the woman comes to him and Jesus said, listen, you can be loosed. You can be healed. Jesus lays his hands on her and prays for her, commands her to be healed and she straightens up immediately. Now, when this happens, you would think the preacher of the church would have been happy, but he wasn't. The guy that had invited Jesus to, to, to teach got all upset. He's called the ruler of the synagogue. And the ruler of the synagogue got mad at Jesus. Uh, he claimed he got mad because Jesus was doing doctor work on, on Sunday, on Saturday, on Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on a Sabbath. And, and healing was considered work. And so he got upset and said, you're not supposed to be working on Saturday. And Jesus kind of, you know, but at any rate, the real reason I think that the preacher was mad is because the preacher wasn't doing it himself. Eighteen years this woman evidently had been in his church. And she wasn't any better. She had gotten worse. And it might have been a little bit embarrassing. Sometimes when you're embarrassed, sometimes when you're jealous, sometimes when you're envious, it can come out as though you're being judgmental and critical and angry. And that's what was happening here. Uh, you know, it, it, this, this, uh, this ruler 
had no compassion whatsoever on this woman. He didn't even care that she was healed. He wasn't glorifying God. The Bible says she was glorifying God, but he was not. He was angry. He was upset with Jesus, and she was glorifying God. She got healed, and she was happy. A member of his congregation got, got, got healed, and he was unhappy. Isn't that amazing? I would not want a pastor like that. Hello? Yeah. I wouldn't want a pastor that was so embarrassed, so envious, so jealous, and so small-minded that if something wonderful happened to one of his congregation members that, that, that he didn't get to orchestrate, that all of a sudden he would feel jealous and, 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 and be mad at whoever did it. Hello? I mean, Jesus is telling his story. Okay? This, is, this is not my story. This was really happening. Well, uh, by the time we get to chapter 14 church is over and well church is really never over it's just today whenever we say amen and you go out of here you're just going to another place to have church okay you just you know church is really never over it just carries on but whenever the service ended here in this city in this synagogue Jesus was invited to go home and eat most likely lodge but at least go home and eat with one of the rulers of the Pharisees now, this is not the ruler of the synagogue that got mad at Jesus. This is the ruler of the Pharisees, okay? Now, if you looked at a hierarchy in Israel in that day, there were rulers of, of, of preachers of churches, but there were also some very religiously powerful political people who were rulers of the Pharisees and of the Jewish council, and they were in every city. And this guy was like one of the, one, one of the overseers. He was a, a, a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Pharisees. And he asked Jesus, hey, he's watching what's going on. Won't you come home with me, Jesus? Come home, and I'll feed you. Come on, bring your group with you. I want to, uh, you know, I, I, I want to have you in my house. And so... Uh, you know, uh, this ruling council member of the Pharisees, they were known for trying to control everything. He invited Jesus to his house, but he invited him to his house not just to feed him and not to learn from him. He invited him to his house because he wanted to watch him. The reason he wanted to watch him is because he wanted to catch him doing something that he could accuse him of. He wanted to catch him doing something that he could say was wrong and hopefully you know, uh, get on to him and arrest him and ultimately you will see in a few weeks crucify him. He's trying to catch him doing something wrong so he can condemn him. And so we'll pick up with our reading this morning from Luke 14. And, and, and now remember, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to be falsely accused. He's going to be wrongfully judged, horribly sentenced, viciously beaten. He will be cruelly crucified and everybody will think it's over. However, even though all of this weight is on Jesus, Jesus still takes a moment in the ruler of the Pharisees' home. Even though he knows that this man is against him, even though he knows this man is trying to find something to accuse him of, nonetheless, Jesus shows the compassion of God. Jesus came to save sinners. He didn't come to save the righteous, he said. I didn't come to save people who are right. I came to save people who are wrong. And sometimes I think if we're not watchful, we forget who God is sending us to, who God wants us to pray for, who God wants us to witness to, who God wants us to love, who God wants us to have compassion on. Jesus goes to this man's house knowing what he knows about him, 
knowing that, that, that soon these kinds of people are going to crucify him. Jesus nonetheless goes there because he wants to teach a valuable lesson. He wants to give everyone a chance. And this morning, he's giving you a chance. He's wanting to teach you a valuable lesson. And it's your chance. You know, I don't know if this Pharisee heard him or not. I don't know what this Pharisee did or didn't do. He may have been born again. We're not told. Or he may have just said, well, you know, that was a good message. God bless you. Let's pick up in Luke chapter 14 and verse 1. Now it happened, reading from the New King James Version, as Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. You can read, continue reading. Uh, we'll get to verse 7. So Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, verse 11, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him. This is what Jesus said to the ruler of the Pharisees. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, do not ask your brothers or your relatives nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Wow. Now, this verse has been one of the guiding principles of our church's missions program. In that we endeavor to help people who in no way can help us back. We don't include advertising as missions. We don't include, you know, uh, helping people who can help us back. You know, that's an investment. You know, that, uh, but... When we reach out to people, one of the reasons we reach out to the people we reach out to is because of this word. Because it is my goal to make sure when you get to heaven that you are repaid the kindnesses that you have shown others. So we purposefully look around for people who are poor, for people who are in need, maimed, lame, blind, for people who don't know, who don't understand, who have not heard the gospel. We purposefully look around for people in great need who do not have water, who do not have toilets. Do you know that hopefully today or tomorrow, probably tomorrow, a toilet will be finished in a place called Gyoto where a thousand people live and they have never had a toilet in 51 years not one toilet you just built them an outhouse thanks to some folks that are sitting here by the way just built them an outhouse yeah 50 can you imagine going now I've been to this place several times and I always go when I don't have to go to the restroom <laughs> because all they have had for 51 years for those thousand people are some bushes and the bushes are uphill. And if you know anything about rain running things downhill, you don't really want to go uphill. Thanks be unto God, we found another group of people that needed some help, and all it took was someone taking care of it. 
These things are amazing. They are multiplied by churches all over our community and around the world that are reaching out into the world, meeting needs of people. Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. You want to know why people reach out and churches reach out and help poor people? Because Jesus said that if you will do this, if you will not just hang around with all the rich people, if you just not fill up your life with all the people that can help you back, if you'll not just scratch backs so they can scratch yours, but if you'll really go out there and scratch some backs that need scratching then God will repay you in the judgment day. I am looking. Joe Marino, I wonder how many boxes of food you're going to get in eternity. That man for 30 years now has been feeding people. Do you know he goes fishing? This man goes out fishing, catching fish, so during the week and cleans them so he can give them to people during the week that don't have food. 30 years. He drives every week. He drives all over southeast Texas, southwest Louisiana, looking for bargains on food so that he can give people food every week. This is amazing. There are people, you know, I could go on and on and on here and just, just right here. And I know uh, those of you watching, I, I know many of you as well. But churches like ours are multiplied. Great and wonderful congregations, they permeate southeast Texas, around Texas in the south, in our nation, and we are seeing the world ministered to. We are seeing needs met. We are seeing things done because Jesus here left us a, a, some guidance, a lesson. The first lesson he left us was a lesson on humility. We need to realize that we are dependent on God. You know, you should make a living and you should make a life, but you need to make a difference. And if you're not making a difference, why aren't you making a difference? Most likely you believe, you, you, you believe that if you helped, it might take away from some of your security. Maybe you think you're building yourself a nest egg for the future. Maybe you think that, that, that your money can save you, your money can help you. Let me tell you, it's, and it's wise to save. It's not unwise to save, but it's not wise to save in such a way that you never do anything for other people, that you're only consumed on yourself because you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Jesus taught that lesson as well, that man that just built bigger barns, and Jesus said, well, you know, tonight your life is required of you. Then whose is that going to be? You know, whatever you leave... Planet Earth, whatever you leave here in the savings, somebody else is going to spend on something you wouldn't have bought. That's the truth. A wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Okay? But he doesn't just absolutely overwhelm them with stuff so that they end up getting stupid and being, you know, uh, ended up without nothing. Inheritance gotten too quickly, the Bible says, waste away. Let me tell you where you can make some investments. You can make some investments by spending time with your children. Yeah, leave them some money too, but spend some time with them. Yeah, leave them a house too, but come on, sit down with them and talk to them and get to know them. Leave them your testimony. Share the love of Christ with them. Sit down and tell them about, about how you came to Christ. You know, invest because everyone needs God. Humility is realizing that we need God. God. We're dependent on Him. And we're no less dependent than the poorest person on the planet. Your money does not mean you're not dependent on God. Your house does not mean you don't depend on God. You, do, you need, right now, I want to encourage you. Just, just realize that 
It reigns on the just and the unjust. It reigns on the rich and the poor. Reign in the Word of God is a, is, is a blessing, by the way. Okay? You know, uh, the same thing happens to everybody, Solomon said. We're all dependent on God. Nothing we do for ourselves can take the place of what God can do for us. Don't get to the place in life to where you feel as though that you don't need Him, that I'm okay, I've taken care of myself. Trust in God. Continue trusting in God. Humility will help us not to be selfish. Humility will help us not to be jealous. Humility will help us not to be prideful. You know that woman who was healed by Jesus, if the ruler of the synagogue had have been humble, he would have rejoiced. But rather he was filled with pride. No doubt he was embarrassed, selfish, you know, uh, jealous. And he couldn't even rejoice over something good that happened to somebody else. Do you know sometimes whenever I tell people that we're helping poor, only very rarely, but sometimes people will say, well, there's lots of people right here you can help. Yes, there are. There certainly are. It's as though that they're, you know, you know if you give them something, they're just going to waste it. You know, uh, you know they're just going to be hungry again tomorrow. I mean, how many times have I heard this? What the people don't realize is that if you will do something for someone else, God will make sure that in your time, if you ever need, oh, I won't ever need, you don't know, remain humble. Be glad that someone else got a car. Be glad that someone else got a house. Be glad that someone else, be glad that it happened to somebody else and not only that it just happens to you. Humility. Humility realizes that I'm dependent on God, but so is everybody else. And I am just as dependent on God right now as the poorest person in the, in the darkest place of India. You are too. You're just as dependent right now for the next breath. That should make us embrace humility and realize that we're not too important. We're not too important to sit down with somebody that's not like us. We're not too important to care about people who have nothing. We're not too important. We need to humble ourselves and realize that we need God. Charity. Charity is showing kindness to those who are less fortunate. The first ministry that Jesus uh, said he was called to was to be sent to the poor. He said that's, that's what Isaiah prophesied, that he would preach the good news to poor. Jesus cares about the poor. Jesus is our prime example of leaving your comfort zone. Do you know how poor we are in the eyes of Jesus? Think about it. Think about the Son of God on the throne of glory. Think about all the riches and all the, all the galaxies that he owns. Think about having angels on assignment that do nothing but just worship you and, and hover around you and sing your praises and your glory. Think about having all the gold that ever existed because you created it. And think about having all the, you know, the, the, the cattle on a thousand hills and all the taters under those hills. Imagine all that did he, imagine how poor I am compared to him. And he left his throne in glory and came and was born as a man. Why? Because he cared about me. He loved me. It's called charity. I am a charity case. 
I could not have done it on my own. What I needed, I could not have gotten. Somebody that had it gave it to me because I could not have afforded it. I couldn't have made it happen. Someone gave to me. His name is Jesus. He's constantly showing his life is an example of someone who loved so much they gave everything they had to people who were less fortunate than them. Wow. The Bible says in Matthew 9, verse 6, When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, charity for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's the reason we reach out from our community. That's the reason we reach into our community and out from our community. We're trying to cover the world because Jesus showed us people who are weary and scattered and need Jesus. They need the voice of the shepherd. This morning, I want to encourage us all to work on two goals this week. I want to encourage you to work on your humility and then work on your charity. I want to encourage you this week to find some way to represent Jesus by being humble. You might say, well, how can I actually do that? Well, I'll tell you what. Won't you find somebody that nobody else associates with and won't you sit down with them? Won't you have a little conversation with them? Don't give them $10. Give them 10 minutes. Hello? Don't just give them $10. Give them 10 minutes. Sit down. You may find a really great friend. You may find Jesus using you. Not everybody needs money. That may, be, that may be their great, not their greatest need. What they may need is somebody to listen to them. And they may think it's an absolute shock that somebody like you would sit down with somebody like them. You may be shocked. Your friends may be shocked. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Work on that this week. I'm going to work on it this week. Of course, I'll be in a place where I can do that pretty easy. But still, you know... Come on, give somebody some time this week, some life, some encouragement. Okay? And, and also, be charitable. You know, charity doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to give somebody some money. But be understanding and compassionate on their situations. Okay? And, uh, you know, and if God speaks to you, you can help them as well. But that's not what it's about. Be compassionate. Luke 14, 14 said this, and, and, and I'll leave this with you, okay? And don't forget, this week we're going to be compassionate. We're just going to sit down and find a place to share the gospel. Pray for somebody this week. While you're sitting down with them, find somebody that, that you can, as the Bible said, condescend to men of low estate. Psalms 15 Lord, who shall dwell in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, works righteous, speaks the truth in his heart. He that does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. In whose person of uh, eyes a vile person is not condemned. He, uh, and it goes on, condescend to men of low estates. We can condescend. We can, we can bring ourselves down to sit down with the most lowly people that we think are are in, in such great need they are in need they're in need of Jesus spend that time Luke 14 14 says this you will be blessed this is God's promise to you this is Jesus speaking to you you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just let me give you something to look forward to Sit down and give somebody some time. Love on somebody. Tell them about Jesus.
Okay. Help me to need this week. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.